Would you look at that, hockey fans? The Seattle Kraken officially release their winter classic jerseys and get a big win at home. Now, granted, it was against the San Jose Sharks, but there's still some things we can take away from this big win as we get ready for Friday's Tilt. That and more coming up on this special edition of Locked on Kraken. You are Locked on Kraken. Your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. Hey, hey, what do you say, Seattle hockey fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Kraken, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, bringing you your favorite team every single day. Here in the States, it's a holiday. Lots of people celebrating um, a holiday that has a mixed history, or at least the story that's told behind it. But what I think we can all get behind is taking some time to be thankful, to be grateful for the people around us. And for me, that includes you watching on YouTube, listening on audio, however you take in Locked on Kraken. I, of course, am your host, Erica L. Ayala. And today I want to talk about the big win against the San Jose Sharks. Now, as I said in the open, you know, we have to take this with a grain of salt. The San Jose Sharks only had three wins coming into yesterday's game. And this is a team that the Seattle Kraken should beat. The good news is that the Seattle Kraken beat a team that they should beat. Seven to one is your final score. Um, we see that the Seattle Kraken dominated the faceoff circle. We talked about that on yesterday's episode, 51.9% clip at the dot to 48.1 for the San Jose Sharks. The Seattle Kraken one for three on the power play. So we, we got a power play goal. Would like to see us do a little bit better, but we'll take one for three. 0 for 2 on the power play for the Sharks. Penalty minutes, the Sharks 11, the Seattle Kraken 9 overall. We did see, as is to be expected, that the San Jose Sharks started throwing their weight around, and Turbo took exception to that, much to the um, amazement of the crowd. I mean, he was really throwing punches. I, you know, it's arguable how many of them landed, but the energy was definitely there. For those who are everydayers and OGers, you know, I'm indifferent at best uh, to that, but I understand the sentiment because there is a balance that the Seattle Kraken need to strike when it comes to being physical and playing just a physical game within the, the, the parameters of the game and then also defending themselves and their teammates. So, all in all, I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, speaking of hits, 31 hits for the San Jose Sharks to 10 for the Seattle Kraken. Now, in this game, when you win a game seven to one, do you need another 20 hits to even things out? I guess not, but just something to be mindful of. Block shots, Seattle with 12 and basically doubling that up for the San Jose Sharks, which to me tells me that the Seattle Kraken were really feeling it offensively. Not all of those shots got through, but they were getting shots up. Now, the um, 
San Jose Sharks, we actually saw two of their netminders. Um, it was Blackwood and Kakanen. Kakanen started. He um, he gave up. He gave up the first few goals, seven, six, five save percentage. Mackenzie Blackwood came in in relief. Um, and he was at a seven, six, nine, 12 of 16 for Kakanen. So he gave up the first four goals, five of seven, um, for the, uh, for Blackwood, excuse me. And for us in net, Joey Dax. Now, I want to put something to rest. Maybe it's because I'm a broadcaster myself, but I know a lot of people are giving Root Sports some grief because they talked about a, a shutout. I don't believe in the broadcaster jinx. There is literally nothing that a broadcaster can do from way up in the rafters that can possibly impact the game. You know, San Jose, they scored a goal. Would it have been nice for Joey Dax to get a, a shutout? Sure. Does it speak to maybe, and this is, I think, really a stretch, so I'm saying maybe, does it speak to Closing out games in this particular situation, I don't think so. I think the Seattle Kraken did a pretty good job of staying in a game that was pretty, you know, out there. But um, I liked what Allison Lucan was talking about. I guess it was right before the third period on the broadcast. No broadcast jinx. But she talked about wanting to keep an eye on the, the Kraken and see if they can really close out games. But she also noted that in a game that is pretty much out of hand at that point, that the game was going to slow down from both sides. I think the physicality did ramp up. And if you're the Sharks, I mean, you have to save face somehow. So there was a little bit of that. But um, I, I think overall the Seattle Kraken did a solid job. I just want to see them do that in a game where they're not going to win seven to one. So that's what I mean when I think there's some elements here, building blocks here. I don't think we get carried away that we got to win or even that we got to win when we release our winter classic jerseys. What I'm hoping just as a little bit of a sidebar here, what I'm hoping is that these winter classic jerseys erase and I mean, absolutely take away the funk that I need. We need these to energetically cleanse whatever bad juju we had last year with our reverse retros. I think it was kind of silly for the Seattle Kraken to have a reverse retro, given that uh, there's not really much to go back to. And we knew they were going to go in this direction for the winter classic, but, um, Anyway, I just really didn't like the reverse retros last year. So I am the the winter classic jersey is growing on me. I still wish there was just a little bit of green. Oh, gosh, if they would have given us just a little bit of green, I would have really loved it. You know, uh, the the green in, in whatever the felt is. So the felt is on the alternate letter. Here's another thing, folks. Let's not get carried away about there being a Captain C. If I had to put money on it, I'm not a betting woman, but if I were, I would put big money on that that was an NHL and Adidas 
decision. Why they felt that staging a jersey, they had to put the captain C on both of them, I don't know. And yes, it's number 24, not for Jamie Alexiak, but for the 2024 Winter Classic. I have no expectations that the Seattle Kraken are teasing us or that we're going to get a captain announcement. And I think I said this in a thread, probably that Kraken pod or Kraken Canada had, but I think we're still one or two seasons away from our core roster. I think a part of not naming a captain perhaps is because remember we had a captain and then he didn't even make it to the end of the season. And why is that? Because the Seattle Kraken know that they're in a situation where especially with some of their veteran players, that it might be best for them and that individual player to move them off the roster. So, do you want to lose another captain and we have like five captains in the first three, four seasons? No, you don't want to do that. So I'm okay with us only having alternates. I don't think this winter classic reveal has anything to do with us naming a captain. So I just wanted to put that out there. But coming up next on Locked on Kraken, I want us to talk a little bit about a few other things that I thought were really good coming out of this San Jose win and that we're going to need momentum-wise for our game against Vancouver. The one bad thing about playing San Jose on Wednesday is that we play Vancouver on Friday. I'll explain, and then we'll also talk about the Kansas City Mavericks. That's coming up on this episode of Locked on Kraken. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Kraken a part of your daily destination. We're here on Thanksgiving here in the States and talking about this win. What do I love about this Kraken win? Brandon Tanev. I talked about him throwing them bows, uh, but he got the, the scoring open at 128 in the first period. And it was a beautiful breakaway goal. Wenberg and Alexiak set that up for him. And just a really smart play by Wenberg. Banks it off the boards and Tanev off to the races. What a great way to start. I said it last night, yesterday, um, and probably the day before. I want to see this the Seattle Kraken strike first. Bring that energy. Oliver Bjorkstrand scores. Larson scored, Yanni Gord scored, Tolvanen scored twice, McCann got a goal. Uh, This was a good win. It was a solid win, and we got some guys involved. I'm loving Oliver Bjorkstrand's game. If you are a member of the Locked on Kraken Insiders, then you know I had a really great conversation with Oliver Bjorkstrand at training camp. And he talked about, and this has been said on the broadcast, but at the time, Locked on Kraken was the first to report that Oliver Bjorkstrand talked about feeling that he, generally speaking, has a slow start uh, when it comes to how he produces offensively. But he felt that last season's start was even slower than what he wanted. So to see him with seven goals, to see him getting so active Oliver Bjorkstrand, I've said it on social media, but he is the Amanda Kessel of the Seattle Kraken. Amanda Kessel is an elite level player. Amanda Kessel is an Olympian. Amanda Kessel is the kind of player that immediately will make your team better because she's a grinding, hardworking, 
really just strong skating player. A lot of people focus on Kessel and her goal productivity, and that is her only contribution. But if you really watch Amanda Kessel play, especially with the USA team, then you'll see that she sets things up for her teammates and she can create goals for herself and for her teammates. And also she is clutch. Amanda Kessel multiple times, especially in games against Canada has scored a shootout goal to set up the game winning goal. That's Oliver Bjorkstrand in a nutshell. I will, I will, I will continue to harp on this. Oliver Bjorkstrand is the Amanda Kessel of the Seattle Kraken, and he is easily becoming one of my favorite players. And yes, he wears the number 22. Uh, oh, it's not up on the wall yet, but that was my college number. It's one of my favorite numbers. So there's that he's got going for him as well. But love that we're seeing Oliver Bjorkstrand get involved. And he's the kind of player that we're going to need against Vancouver. And so is Brandon Tanev. So to see Tanev get his second goal, a lot of um, folks were asking Dave Haxtell and even some of the players about Tanev, about his energy coming back healthy. You know, we talked about how much of a bummer it was to see him get early, to get hurt early in this season because he was hurt uh, in the inaugural season and didn't quite bounce back in my opinion, the way we needed him to. But with some of, you know, our guys, my guy, like Ryan Donato, Morgan Geeky, Daniel Sprung, not with the team, I think Brandon Tanev knows that he has to and is expected to step up and play that energy role that those guys that were mostly on the fourth line last year played for the team. So I love that Tanev is being aggressive. Obviously he got the energy going on the fight side of things. I love that Bjorkstrand is being our version of Amanda Kessel and really being a great playmaker. Larson getting involved, getting his first goal of the season is great. McCann marching towards 10 goals, Yanni Gord getting on the board. All of these things are good that these guys have a good feel on their stick going into Friday. But I think we must, we must talk about the other side of the coin, which is that the Seattle Kraken, in my opinion, I disagree with Dave Haxtell on this. We're not a consistent team right now. I don't think we're a consistent team. If anything, the consistency comes from things that we do where we don't push enough, where we're not um, going downhill enough. We're not being 100% in, in whatever we have. And I don't want this to be a trap. Uh, a big win, lots of fanfare with the releasing of the, the winter classic jerseys, a holiday in between optional skate, which Brandon Tanev, I believe his, his exact words were, were there is something to be said about an optional skate as he gets the Davy Jones hat. You know, I don't agree with that, but I'm not the one skating on the ice. So if the guys like an optional skate, especially in a week where they have three games, I'm gonna let them have that one. But Brandon Tanev, baby, you better come with that energy tomorrow. I want our guys carb loading, ready to go for Vancouver. Meat, potatoes, get in there, get big, get hefty, and be ready to skate against Vancouver. I want them hefty as in 
uh, strong on their skates, strong on their sticks. I don't want them to be lethargic because that will mean trouble for the Seattle Kraken against the Vancouver Canucks. Now we know we've met success against the Canucks and then we played them in short order like a week later and it wasn't the same story. So I really want our guys, I'm glad they're feeling good. It seems like they feel that they have earned and will take their well-earned rest. So if they're feeling good coming into Friday, that's all I want, but we got to be careful. And so we're going to talk about the Vancouver game tomorrow on tomorrow's episode, Friday's episode. So on the rest of today's Thanksgiving episode, I'm going to take you over and to my conversations with the Kansas City Mavericks. Speaking of getting a little bit trapped, the Kansas City Mavericks, if you've, if you've been following Locked on Kraken on social media, and of course, right here on the Locked on Kraken podcast, then you know the Seattle Kraken ECHL affiliate have been right here in Tulsa playing the Tulsa Oilers. They won the first two games. 4-1 was the first game. 5-1 was the second game. And after that game, Tucker Robertson and Jack LaFontaine got called up to Coachella Valley. Some of that having to do with the Grubauer injury. And you'll hear about that in the next segment. But then we saw that the Mavericks fell to the Oilers 3-2 just last night. I was there at the game. I'm going to take you to some of those quotes. And I want to extract some of those to just talk about broader hockey. Because I think there are some lessons that we can learn. We beat them before. I want this win again. I want this win. We can do it. We're feeling good, but I don't want us to be overconfident. And that's something that you're going to hear from the Kansas City Mavericks. And maybe it is just a lesson. I mean, the Kraken know this. They don't need to learn a lesson per se from the ECHL team. But I guess the point is that hockey at any level is the same. It's a, a game of inches, a game of runs, a game of momentum, and we play the games to see the result because any given day, any team can win and you have to commit to your style of play. And that's what I want the Seattle Kraken to do. So we're going to uh, hear from the Mavericks and just as a reminder as to why it's so important to play your game regardless of the outcome of previous games and regardless of your opponent, that's coming up on today's episode of Locked on Kraken. All right, Kraken fans, I've got some cooking to do. All right, I'm going to finish up some cooking. I did some last night. I'm going to finish up cooking today uh, because I am hosting uh, a Thanksgiving, my first Thanksgiving dinner here in Tulsa, and I'm hosting a few people. So we're going to keep this pretty short and brief. First of all, before we get into Kansas City Mavericks, can we give some stick taps? Actually, I do have a stick. This is from a little bobblehead. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> stick taps to Piper Shaw because I thought she did a great job getting some interviews from our Kraken guys regarding who they think is the best cook on the team. Now, you might remember last year that we heard Brandon Tanev likes to bake, and he's really been focused on that. But it sounds like the three front runners for a cook-off, holiday cook-off, are Tanev, Dunn, and Chris Drieger, who rejoined the team just this week. Those are the three guys 
that everyone says can probably cook off guys that love to cook that can throw down. I also thought it was interesting that it wasn't Manny Beneers and Will Borgen, the two roommates, pickiest eaters. And that had a lot to do with them not eating vegetables. Well, I hope you get your spinach in, Maddie B and Will Borgen. We're going to need you tomorrow against Vancouver. But thank you again, Stick Taps, to Piper Shaw. I thought that was just a really great element to last night's broadcast. Now, let me take you to the Kansas City Mavericks game. Kansas City was leading 2-0, and then the Oilers were able to make a comeback, get a surge. If you are part of the Locked on Kraken Insiders, then you know that the Mavericks the other day, Tad Ohad, love that name, who is their head coach and general manager, felt that they got a little bit of a slow start in the first, but were able to close out games. And that perhaps was the difference. Not only did the Oilers come with more energy, but the Mavericks didn't quite do what they know they can do in the third period. Only the third loss on the season for the Mavericks. Let's take you to Coach Ohad and then to a prospect that was at training camp this year. We're going to hear from Kyle Jackson as well. A little bit of a tough loss here against Tulsa. Talked the other night about that they were a tenacious team. What do you think was the difference between Sunday and today and, and being able to ride that wave? Yeah, I think ultimately, you know, we have to we have to take that poison. And tonight, we didn't manage the third period as well as we had liked. We had talked about it in between periods, managing pucks, getting pucks deep, and I felt like we were able to give them some momentum, and we didn't we didn't counter. And so, you know, these are good lessons for us. I'd rather learn them early in the season than late in the season. We've been a particularly good team in the third, and tonight um, we weren't. And so, as you said, these are good lessons to learn at this particular time in the season. You know, obviously we're coming fresh off the ice here, but what are some of the things that you think you want to be able to focus on with the team uh, before you hit the ice the next time? Yeah, you know what? And so, you know, first off is just, you know, puck management. We, we want to make sure puck management, picking up our men, you know, coming into D-zone coverage. Those are two areas that we need to continue to do. And just, you know, when we're under siege, you know, hard plays. Uh, I felt like we gave them a little bit too much uh, when they they, they got the momentum. I didn't think we were able to work from above, finish our hits, really keep our feet moving, killing those plays early enough. And so those are some areas that we've been better at in the third, and uh, we, we weren't sent this evening. You talk a little bit about finishing hits. You know, I, I've noticed even just from training camp and watching how Coachella Valley plays that this seems to be a system where, especially at the ECHL and, and AHL level, like you do want to use your physicality, um, but also Tulsa seemed like they were they were a little bit more up to the task in taking the physicality today. You know, how do you balance wanting to play that physical game without having it get you into the box? Yeah, you know what? We've been a very disciplined team. We've stayed out of the box. I think one of the things is is you know it's very difficult to beat a team three times in a row, and you've got to you've got to respect your opponent. And um, you know this was something that I think maybe we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and we can't do that. And so it's a it's a humbling reminder that we need to make sure that we're not only structurally doing what we need to be doing, but individually need to be executing our assignments. And so this is something that we can grow from. Um, and we've done that with other losses this season. This being our third loss, I think that we can you know, take tomorrow off, they can spend some time with families, and then we've got a rebound on Friday. So this can be a good teaching lesson. 
and switching gears a little bit here, you we, we talked the other day about how this is a feeder system to Coachella Valley and of course Seattle. And you had two players since we last spoke uh, get called up with, to Coachella Valley given there's been some shifting uh, between the two squads. Uh, first, what can you tell us once again about Tucker and Jack and, and, and them getting the call this time around? And then also how, how does this team then restructure knowing that you're losing those key players? Yeah, so the ECHL is the ever-changing hockey league. Things are always changing. And so we're we're here to help develop the talent for Coachella. And so, for example, like uh, Jack LaFontaine getting called up, there's an injury in, in uh, the NHL. You know, he'll get the call up. He backed up last evening. He's done a phenomenal job with us. Um, he's done a very good job. He's got great pro habits. Instinctually, he sees the play very well. Great athleticism. I think he's one of, if not the top goaltender in the ECHL. And, you know, I hope he gets an opportunity up there. Uh, if his name gets called, he'll be ready. Um, he's a true pro's pro. He spent time in the AHL as well as the NHL. And uh, he's continuing to get his games in the ECHL. Now, Tucker, um, this is the start of his pro his pro career. It was great for to see him get uh, in his uh, first AHL, AHL game last evening. Um, a lot of speed, a lot of tenaciousness. He's first on pucks. He's got a very uh, deceptive skill level, great hands. And he's a player that is, is going to be exciting to watch you know, over the next couple of years and I think the biggest thing for both of those guys is they're able to generate confidence here a lot of puck touches um, in critical moments of the game last two minutes of the game power play penalty kill um, and that's an area in which both of those guys you know are able to see a lot and develop and you alluded to the holiday here in the States. Um, what does uh, Thanksgiving in the middle of the season look like for you usually? <laughs> you know what, usually we're always on the road. This is the uh, first time that I've actually been at home, um, you know, and uh, you know what, guys will have a good day off, they'll get a good meal, and they'll get some rest, and then they'll get ready for Friday. And so it's really just about, you know, recovery and regeneration and getting the guys rested. So that was Coach Ohad. You heard him talk a little bit about, again, just really wanting to close things out. Before we close out today's episode, I want to take you to Kyle Jackson. Again, one of our prospects. You're going to hear him talk about the loss to the Oilers. And then also, I've I've been asking the Mavericks about what the experience is like on their from their perspective with regard to the pipeline and the communication how real is this pipeline we know the ECHL Mavericks the AHL Firebirds and of course the NHL uh, Kraken are related right um but how does what does that relationship really look like especially from the player's perspective so Kyle weighs in on that a little bit all right, Kyle, the third time you saw Tulsa in the, the last week or so, uh, what do you think was the difference between tonight and the success you met in the first two games? Yeah, you know, playing three against them, it's a lot of hockey, so there's a lot of ups and downs, you know. Uh, the third period obviously was not our best effort, and, you know, they, they just wanted a little bit more, and the end result showed that. And you talk about maybe Tulsa wanting it a little bit more, but let's talk about the Kansas City game. You talked, uh, and Coach talked also about the third period. What do you want to see the team learn from, from how you played tonight? Yeah, you know, it's just, we've been really good in the third period this year. So there's, you know, there's, we're not going to win every third period and it's a 72 game season. So we just got to, you know, be able to cancel momentum, you know, swings and be able to just swing it, swing it back on our side. And haven't seen a lot of losses yet this season. What do you want the team to be able to, to take away from here to continue to just drive and play your game? 
yeah, you know, just regroup. You know, it's a 72-game season. You know, it's a, we're not going to win every game. And we know the team we got is one of the best teams in the league. So it's just just keep moving forward. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, preseason training camp in particular. Uh, talk a little bit about the opportunity to go out to Seattle and spend some time with, with other prospects and, of course, the guys that are playing in the NHL. Yeah, you know, it was a great experience. Just see all those guys, you know, their, their strength, their conditioning, and just try to learn from them and, you know, bring things back to the work on my game and, you know, off the ice and on the ice. And, you know, Coach talked to me a little bit about how he feels that the, the relationship with the Seattle Kraken and Coachella Valley is the best that he personally has ever experienced in the ECHL. I'm just curious, what is your experience from seeing how things are communicated throughout all three organizations? Yeah, you know, they're, they're, Coachella really cares about, you know, their prospects and their players and Seattle the same. So it's just, it's a really good organization, you know, first class and they care about, you know, young players and improving them. So that's, that's a big thing. Appreciate your time. Hope you enjoy some time away. (laughs) That's our show, folks. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Kraken a part of your daily destination. Some of you might be hearing this on Friday or even on Saturday, and that's totally fine. Wanted to make sure we got this episode out to you. And a reminder, if you want to hear more from my conversations with the Mavericks, or I have some plans to do an AHL trip as well. And of course, when I'm with the Kraken, my exclusive interviews always go up first to our Locked on Kraken insiders. You can text 918-731-3154 to become an insider. Again, that's 918-731-3154. And before I close out today's show, I want to let you know that I will be in the Pacific Northwest. Now, I won't be in Seattle this time around. No, no. Uh, I wish I were going to Seattle, but it's not in the cards for this trip. But I am making my way to Portland, Oregon for the first time. And I will be um, moderating a panel on the um, on the documentary called Ice Queens. It premiered, I guess now a little uh, almost a year ago because I was doing PHF games when it premiered, I think around Black History Month. So almost a year ago. And it is the creator of Soul on Ice. Kwame Mason, he did a documentary on black women in hockey. And I have said this before publicly, but for those who don't know, I remember learning about Soul on Ice and Angela James, the first black woman, one of the first two women in the Hockey Hall of Fame. She made a cameo, but she wasn't interviewed for Soul on Ice. And before I even really got to know Kwame, I reached out to him via email and I said, hey, what can you tell me about that woman that you showed uh, at the end? Did you interview her? Do you have more coming out about her? And he said, yeah, I really do want to do something on black women. So Soul on Ice, for those who don't know, came out years ago. And I've been pestering Kwame ever since then. And of course, in my own 